O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, June 28th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Amos 8, 11, and 12. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Pinchas. Numbers 26, 1-32 After the plague had ended, the Lord said to Moses and to Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest, From the whole community of Israel record the names of all the warriors by their families. List all the men twenty years old or older who are able to go to war. So there, on the plains of Moab, beside the Jordan River, across from Jericho, Moses and Eleazar the priest issued these instructions to the leaders of Israel. List all the men of Israel twenty years old and older, just as the Lord commanded Moses. This is the record of all the descendants of Israel who came out of Egypt. These were the clans descended from the sons of Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, the Hanukite clan, named after their ancestor, Hanok the Paluite clan, named after their ancestor, Palu, the Hezronite clan, named after their ancestor, Hezron, the Carmite clan, named after their ancestor, Carmi. These were the clans of Reuben. Their registered troops numbered 43,730. Palu was the ancestor of Eliab, and Eliab was the father of Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram 
This Dathan and Abiram are the same community leaders who conspired with Korah against Moses and Aaron, rebelling against the Lord. But the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them with Korah, and fire devoured 250 of their followers. This served as a warning to the entire nation of Israel. However, the sons of Korah did not die that day. These were the clans descended from the sons of Simeon, the Jemuelite clan, named after their ancestor Jemuel, the Zorahite clan, named after their ancestor Zohar, the Shaulite clan, named after their ancestor Shaul. These were the clans of Simeon. Their registered troops numbered 22,200. These were the clans descended from the sons of Gad, the Zephonite clan, named after their ancestor Zephon, the Haggite clan, named after their ancestor Haggai, the Shunite clan, named after their ancestor Shunai, the Oznite clan, named after their ancestor Ozni, the Arite clan, named after their ancestor Arai, the Aradite clan, named after their ancestor Aradai, the Aralite clan, named after their ancestor Aralai. These were the clans of Gad. Their registered troops numbered 40,500. Judah had two sons, Ur and Onan, who had died in the land of Canaan. These were the clans descended from Judah's surviving sons. The Shelanite clan, named after their ancestor Shelah. The Perizzite clan, named after their ancestor Perez. The Zerahite clan, named after their ancestor Zerah. These were the subclans descended from the Perizzites. The Hezronites, named after their ancestor Hezron. The Hamulites, named after their ancestor Hamul. These were the clans of Judah. Their registered troops numbered 76,500. These were the clans descended from the sons of Issachar, the Tolahite clan, named after their ancestor Tola. The Puite clan, named after their ancestor Pua. The Jashubite clan, named after their ancestor Jashub. The Shimronite clan, named after their ancestor Shimron. These were the clans of Issachar. Their registered troops numbered 64,300. These were the clans descended from the sons of Zebulun. The Seredite clan, named after their ancestor Sered. The Elanite clan, named after their ancestor Elon. The Jalilite clan, named after their ancestor Jalil. These were the clans of Zebulun. Their registered troops numbered 60,500. The two clans were descended from Joseph through Manasseh and Ephraim. These were the clans descended from Manasseh. The Macarite clan, named after their ancestor Macar. The Gileadite clan, named after their ancestor Gilead, Macar's son. These were the subclans descended from the Gileadites. The Lezerites, named after their ancestor Lezer. The Helikites, named after their ancestor Helik. The Azraelites, named after their ancestor Azrael. The Shechemites, named after their ancestor Shechem. The Shemadites, named after their ancestor Shemida. The Hepharites, named after their ancestor Hepher. 
2 Kings 13, 1-14, 29 Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, began to rule over Israel in the twenty-third year of King Joash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria seventeen years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He followed the example of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, continuing the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. So the Lord was very angry with Israel, and he allowed King Hazael of Aram and his son Ben-Hadad to defeat them repeatedly. Then Jehoahaz prayed for the Lord's help, and the Lord heard his prayer, for he could see how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. So the Lord provided someone to rescue the Israelites from the tyranny of the Arameans. Then Israel lived in safety again as they had in former days. But they continued to sin, following the evil example of Jeroboam. They also allowed the Asherah pole in Samaria to remain standing. Finally, Jehoahaz's army was reduced to fifty charioteers, ten chariots, and ten thousand foot soldiers. The king of Aram had killed the others, trampling them like dust under his feet. The rest of the events in Jehoahaz's reign, everything he did, and the extent of his power are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoahaz died, he was buried in Samaria. Then his son Jehoash became the next king. Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, began to rule over Israel in the thirty-seventh year of King Joash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria sixteen years. But he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. The rest of the events in Jehoash's reign and everything he did, including the extent of his power and his war with King Amaziah of Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoash died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then his son Jeroboam too became the next king. Elisha's Final Prophecy When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, Get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, Put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, Open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, Shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, This is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, Now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten a ram until it was entirely destroyed. But you will be victorious only three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. 
Once, when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. King Hazael of Aram had oppressed Israel during the entire reign of King Jehoahaz. But the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel, and they were not totally destroyed. He pitied them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to this day he still has not completely destroyed them or banished them from his presence. King Hazael of Aram died, and his son Ben-Hadad became the next king. Then Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, recaptured from Ben-Hadad, son of Hazael, the towns that had been taken from Jehoash's father, Jehoaz. Jehoash defeated Ben-Hadad on three occasions, and he recovered the Israelite towns. Amaziah, son of Joash, began to rule over Judah in the second year of the reign of King Jehoash of Israel. Amaziah was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem twenty-nine years. His mother was Jehoadan from Jerusalem. Amaziah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, but not like his ancestor David. Instead, he followed the example of his father, Joash. Amaziah did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. When Amaziah was well established as king, he executed the officials who had assassinated his father. However, he did not kill the children of the assassins, for he obeyed the command of the Lord, as written by Moses in the book of the law, the Torah. Parents must not be put to death for the sins of their children, nor children for the sins of their parents. Those deserving to die must be put to death for their own crimes. Amaziah also killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He also conquered Selah and changed its name to Jokthiel, as it is called to this day. One day Amaziah sent messengers with this challenge to Israel's king Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, and grandson of Jehu, Come and meet me in battle. But king Jehoash of Israel replied to king Amaziah of Judah with this story. Out on the Lebanon mountains, a thistle sent a message to a mighty cedar tree. Give your daughter in marriage to my son. But just then a wild animal of Lebanon came by and stepped on the thistle, crushing it. You have indeed defeated Edom, and you are very proud of it. But be content with your victory and stay at home. Why stir up trouble that will only bring disaster on you and the people of Judah? But Amaziah refused to listen, so King Jehoash of Israel mobilized his army against King Amaziah of Judah. The two armies drew up their battle lines at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Judah was routed by the army of Israel, and its army scattered and fled for home. King Jehoash of Israel captured Judah's king, Amaziah, son of Joash, and grandson of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh. 
Then he marched to Jerusalem, where he demolished 600 feet of Jerusalem's wall, from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. He carried off all the gold and silver and all the articles from the temple of the Lord. He also seized the treasures from the royal palace along with hostages and then returned to Samaria. The rest of the events in Jehoash's reign and everything he did, including the extent of his power and his war with King Amaziah of Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoash died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel, and his son Jeroboam II became the next king. King Amaziah of Judah lived for fifteen years after the death of King Jehoash of Israel. The rest of the events in Amaziah's reign are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. There was a conspiracy against Amaziah's life in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But his enemies sent assassins after him, and they killed him there. They brought his body back to Jerusalem on a horse, and he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. All the people of Judah had crowned Amaziah's sixteen-year-old son Uzziah as king in place of his father, Amaziah. After his father's death, Uzziah rebuilt the town of Elath and restored it to Judah. Jeroboam II, son of Jehoash, began to rule over Israel in the fifteenth year of King Amaziah's reign in Judah. Jeroboam reigned in Samaria forty-one years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between Lebo Hamath and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. For the Lord saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel, and that there was no one in Israel slave or free to help them. And because the Lord had not said he would blot out the name of Israel completely, he used Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, to save them. The rest of the events in the reign of Jeroboam II and everything he did, including the extent of his power, his wars, and how he recovered for Israel both Damascus and Hamath, which had belonged to Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jeroboam II died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then his son Zechariah became the next king. Acts 18.23-19.12 After spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back through Galatia and Phrygia, visiting and strengthening all the believers. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Yeshua with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. 
Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Yeshua was the Messiah. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Yeshua. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Yeshua. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. Psalm 146, 1-10 Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoner. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 18, 2 and 3 Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Doing wrong leads to disgrace, and scandalous behavior brings contempt. I want to speak to you today from 
our reading from Second Kings chapter 13 and 14. And there are a couple of verses that were very poignant that just really spoke to my heart that I want to uh, unpack. We see that both the northern kingdom, the house of Israel, and the southern kingdom, the house of Judah, go through a series of evil, wicked kings. And we read about all the evil things that they did and how they led them down the path of further idolatry, the way of Jeroboam, of golden calf worship, and they do all kinds of evil things. But now let's look at Second Kings chapter 13, verse 23. But the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel, that is, the northern kingdom. And they were not totally destroyed. He pitied them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to this day, he still has not completely destroyed them or banished them from his presence. Now, remember back in 1 Kings chapter 12, the kingdom split happened. The last time that Israel was one united nation with all 12 tribes was under King David and also under King Solomon. And then Solomon's son Rehoboam wanted to raise the taxes and there was a kingdom split and the northern kingdom comprised of the 10 tribes of the north, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel, split away from King Rehoboam in Jerusalem and they formed their own kingdom. And then the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, also known today as the Jews, is the southern kingdom. So this verse that I just read is speaking to the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of the north, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel, the non-Jewish part of God's family. And it says the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel, and they were not totally destroyed. He pitied them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now let's make this application. Is there a family member in your family, perhaps a son or a daughter, who has absolutely rebelled? Maybe they've gone off into drugs. Maybe they've gone down the path of crime. Maybe they're on the complete polar opposite side of everything that you believe in. Maybe you're conservative and they're very, very liberal. Maybe you are pro-Trump and following that pathway and they're extremely liberal and they just are crazy about Biden. But there's some kind of a huge divide. Maybe they did something so horrible incredible rebellion or just incredible uh, hardening of heart against you. And you feel like just cutting them off. Cut that person off. I don't want to deal with them anymore. Well, this is a little bit about how God feels regarding his own people. He sees the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel with leaders that are leading them down basically paths of harlotry and adultery and idolatry and wickedness and evil 
and how this must grieve his heart. And, you know, there were times in the wilderness when Moses was leading the people that God said to him, let me just kill them all. We'll start all over again from scratch. And Moses interceded and said, no, if you do that, then all the nations who are watching will say, God took the people out of Egypt and led them out to the wilderness and then killed them. But think about the father's heart as he sees his children in such rebellion, in such defiance, following such paths of darkness and evil. And he loves them. And yet, how this must grieve his heart. And so I bring this to you because perhaps you've been tempted to cut someone off. Or maybe you already have cut someone off because of their heinous and horrible behavior, because of their defiance and rebellion, because they, they're self-destructing. And yet God was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel, and they were not totally destroyed. The same theme comes up in Second Kings chapter 14, verses 26 and 27, where it is written, for the Lord, Yahweh, saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel, and that there was no one in Israel, slave or free, to help them. And because the Lord had not said he would blot out the name of Israel completely, he used Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, to save them. He raised up a redeemer, even in the midst of their wickedness and sin. God has a heart for the prodigal, a huge heart for the prodigal. And rather than hardening his heart and being angry, he does give consequences to individuals and to nations when they turn away from him, when they go down the path of darkness and wickedness and evil. There are consequences. But he also provides a way out and a way to return to him. And the pathway of returning to him is through Yeshua. When we come to the cross, when we gaze upon the cross, when we see the suffering and the death of Yeshua on that cross, and that he laid down his life for you and for me, and when we repent, truly repent from our heart, that's the way home. That is the way back to the Father, is through the Son. And so he has grace and mercy and long-suffering towards his people. So I share that with you because if you have a family member or a loved one, a spouse, someone in your life who has wandered far from the ways of the Lord and who has gone into rebellion and sin, and who has hurt you deeply, precious one, I encourage you to continue to stand in the gap and to pray for that person and to show loving kindness and mercy and grace and forgiveness towards that prodigal, towards that person who perhaps has hurt you deeply. Pray for them. And while you pray for them, ask God to work in your own heart that you would have the heart of the Father to show that grace 
and mercy and forgiveness and long-suffering and unconditional love. In Yeshua's name, Amen. Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.